0: Welcome to the DebtWire Middle Market Podcast. I'm Katherine Perloff.
1: And I'm Bill Weisbrod.
0: We're joined by Casey Alexander, Senior Vice President in Equity Analyst at Compass Point Research and Trading, where he covers the business development company or BDC sector. It was a volatile year for the sector, which lends to middle market companies. BDC book values declined by an average of 15% during the first quarter of 2020 as the onset of the pandemic collapsed valuations. Since then, BDCs have been steadily regaining value in lockstep with the rest of the market. Though for many, book values are below 2019 levels. Casey is here to talk about how this year has impacted the sector and middle market corporate finance more broadly.
1: Thanks for joining us, Casey.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to to join you, and uh, we look forward to the conversation today.
1: To start off broadly, what are the main takeaways from both fourth quarter BDC earnings and the full year looking back on the BDC industry?
2: (laughs) Well, the full year looking back, we're looking back at 2020 with 2020 hindsight, um, which Uh, Provides some great perspective during what was a historically volatile year for BDC stock prices and BDC industry emotions, Um, you know. Uh, as some smart people in the business have said who lend to small businesses you you underwrite for a recession you don't underwrite for a pandemic you don't underwrite for companies to have a complete cessation of their revenue streams and that created a a, a spasm particularly across the cash flow lending space that's virtually unheard of in BDC history um when we look through that um, first quarter was going along swimmingly well and then covid 19 showed up uh, in a major way in March um, a- associated with massive economic shutdowns across the the entire country and world um, which created a spasm in the cash flow lending market um, deal volume completely, Uh, disappeared in the second quarter of 2020, Um, as the world, the country, the industry, small businesses started to find a manner and a method for dealing with lockdowns and their associated business challenges, They started to recover somewhat in the third quarter. By the end of the third quarter, Moody's was essentially calling it recession done in two quarters, which is one of the shortest recessions in recent memory. Um, So when we look at 2020, we've literally round tripped from a normal environment to massive dislocation and recovery back to where prices suggest that we're back to a more normal environment again, all done within the space of one calendar year. So the fourth quarter takeaway to that 2020-2020 hindsight is that there uh, was an explosion of new loan originations in the fourth quarter, principally because so many loans got backlogged that likely would have happened in the second and third quarter. At the same point in time, we've seen an impressive rebound in the net asset value calculations uh, of a large portion of the BDC space. Um, and, And in fact, when you look back, it's turned into uh, almost a credit positive environment for the market. And I think a a real testimony to the strength of the private debt market in the manner in which it did perform throughout the year. And now BDCs uh, and their portfolio companies are looking at what is likely to be Potentially a three-year economic tailwind behind them. And, and so you've seen the associated valuations of BDC companies return not only to where they were at the beginning of 2020, but in the case of some BDCs that performed well throughout this environment, to a better evaluation uh, than where they were at the beginning of the year. And that is an impressive turnaround, I have to say. And so I think that's a good roundup to uh, uh, 2020 and for Q20.
1: Just to follow up on the portfolio valuation increases, would you say those have been driven by underlying company performance over the past couple months or other valuation metrics?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. There's a number of drivers involved in it. I mean, from the liquid credit side, from the broadly syndicated loan side, um, you know, the drive for yield to get yield into uh, people's portfolios, either through funds or through individually, um, has clearly been a driver of price recovery uh, within the valuation space of individual loans Um, uh, and, you know, but it's a bifurcated marketplace, Bill. And what I mean by that is COVID had winners. There are companies that clearly benefited from the COVID environment, um, and are doing better as a result of the COVID environment. That's driven their valuations to a, a very impressive amount and, so many of the companies that were damaged by the COVID environment have shown an impressive amount of flexibility and adaptability to find ways to manage their business and generate revenues through an extraordinarily challenging event um, and, and are going to come out of this on the other side uh, with a better structure that is able to generate revenues through multiple channels as opposed to the traditional channel that they had operated in previously. So um, I, I think both parts of that uh, have led to a uh, rebound in valuations. Do you think
1: there's a potential downside for companies enjoying a COVID tailwind because the pandemic isn't going to last forever and the conditions that allowed those companies to exceed expectations will presumably come to an end?
2: In some cases, th- there's a downside to it. You know, uh, growing companies and growing small businesses will always have the challenge of transitioning from the entrepreneurial stage to the larger company stage. And, and that won't be any different than it is in this environment. But frankly, you know, Bill, if you look at e-commerce companies and Companies that are involved in payments or delivery mechanisms, those companies have had their business plans accelerated by three to five years in the course of this year. That definitely creates challenges in managing that hyper growth stage. But at the same point in time, they've embedded revenue sources within their business plans uh, that might have taken three to five years uh, to do. They're certainly better companies today than they would have been today had there not been COVID.
0: That's, That's really interesting. And I guess, you know, given that the recession was so short, there's a question of how much we're returning to pre-pandemic dynamics. So like a big concern for BDCs was uh, competition from other credit funds and banks leading to more borrower-friendly terms and, you know, lower income for lenders. Has the pandemic changed its dynamic at all, or is it still sort of a bit of a race to the bottom?
2: Well, Catherine, that's a great question. Competition continues to remain fierce in terms of winning the mandates to make loans, Um And yield compression uh, is driven not only by that competition, but by where the Fed has set the lending benchmarks. Okay, so there there are two factors that are involved there. We've clearly had an almost immediate return to the pre-pandemic issue that caused uh, many managers to worry, which is weak structures of the execution documents and weak covenants um, on those loans. And we've immediately returned to that. But I would point out that how much of the loan demand early in the COVID recovery has come from companies that are at the borrowing window window that are no brainers in the post COVID environment. Well, if you're a no-brainer company, a company that has operated well through COVID, continues to operate well, and has a good outlook going forward, well, you're probably eligible for weak structures and low covenants, especially in a time period where there's probably three years of economic um, tailwind behind you, because you can absolutely uh, uh, get that loan to the finish line. and for some clearly there are some BDCs that have been capacity constrained but there's still enough lending capacity across the space that competition does remain fierce and and so you know you're you're competing hard for deals and those with liquidity are competing hard for deals um uh but you know These these will speed spreads will change and will improve and covenants and structures will likely tighten up as some covid damaged companies return to the borrowing window, but perhaps not in as good a position as they were before. But they're still surviving. And eventually those loans will get done to refinance them out of their obligations, perhaps at greater spreads spreads tighter covenants, uh, stronger execution documents. But right now, we're still in that period where we're catching up to two quarters of no loans. So it's the no-brainer deals that are getting done, and those no-brainer deals actually are entitled to weaker structures and lower covenants.
0: So just one follow-up on that, you know, it sounds like your assessment is, you know, deal flow is really slow at the outset of the pandemic, and now it's kind of, you know, either at 2019 levels or more volume. Take us through how volume has sort of transitioned throughout this year.
2: Well, the second quarter doesn't even have comparable benchmarks all right, of 2020 because there were not enough deals to get executed in the second quarter to create comparable benchmarks. In the third quarter, there was some lending activity, but it was low. And it was totally uh, populated by borrowers that were no-brainers. The fourth quarter, as people became comfortable with the level of economic activity coming up, the discussion about vaccines, you started to have more companies come back to the borrowing window. But think about it, Catherine. If you go two full quarters with very, very low borrowing volume, Well, maturity dates don't, you know, get extended two quarters because there were two quarters of low lending volume. So those companies that have maturity dates coming up that need to finance those loans are going to have to get to the window sooner or later. All right. And so you're going to see the fourth quarter of 2020 and all out into and through 2021, an elevated level of deal flow in order to make up for those two quarters that simply got passed.
1: A year on from the onset of the pandemic in North America, how would you say BDCs were able to preserve liquidity given the uncertainty of the time? Have any BDCs been unable to weather the liquidity crunch from the early days of the pandemic?
2: Well, there are certainly some companies that, that still have liquidity, uh, a tight liquidity restrictions in terms of, of BDCs and where they sit with their leverage ratio. But, I mean, let's say it the way it, it really is. Venture debt BDCs are the stars of 2020, and, and I would characterize it this way. BDCs that do traditional cash flow lending had a spasm BDCs that that lend to companies backed by venture capital, well, they coughed. They had a cough in the second quarter of 2020, and it was almost back to business as usual by the third quarter of 2020. And why is that? Well, the cash flow market is dependent upon cash flow. So when you shut revenues off completely as a result of uh, economic shutdowns and and shelter in place regulations. That's a massive event for those companies. But venture debt companies are 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 not dependent upon revenue. They're emerging growth companies that are creating new products either in technology or life science. And the venture capital system, the venture capital ecosystem, functioned to a much higher degree. Um, Also, what helped BDC's liquidity was the participation both by private equity sponsors and VC sponsors on the venture debt side to provide additional liquidity to their portfolio companies. This was at all times perceived to be, um, while it was an economic challenge, it was an economic challenge driven by a specific set of conditions that most people thought was temporary, if not two quarters, four quarters. But there there was an end in sight to something that that is having a vaccine created for it. Um, And so to a certain extent, portfolio companies' sponsors, the private equity sponsors, the venture capital sponsors, provided enough capital to give BDCs, as the lenders, comfort that they were getting through. Um, That allowed BDCs to focus on the real problem credits and also allowed for some paydowns, which helped preserve their liquidity. Certainly, some BDCs had to go out and seek additional liquidity. Other BDCs got liquidity through unsecured debt offerings in order to take pressure off of their credit facilities. Um, And all of those things function into the mix. Um, But we would clearly say from the standpoint of having portfolio companies that had good liquidity that therefore didn't create problems for the BDCs, the venture debt BDCs were clearly the star of 2020.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I was sort of wondering, uh, among BDCs, venture debt BDCs were obviously a standout, but what other sort of debt structures positioned BDCs particularly well? Were it those who focused on first lien facilities versus lower down in the cap structure, or those who did more buyout loans versus refis? How did that sort of break down in terms of stronger BDC performance?
2: Well, buy out or refi makes no difference when you just shut off all the revenues, okay? It doesn't matter where the loan came from. If the company's revenues are shut down, then it it just doesn't matter. (laughs) So, um, uh, you know, and so in reality, it was more bifurcated by industry than type of loan, right? If your book's in the right industry, then you're going to be far less affected by COVID than if your book is in the wrong industry. And what are the wrong industries? The wrong industries are retail. In the short term, the wrong industries are restaurants. The, uh, the wrong industry is anything that could be disintermediated by something else online. Right, Because if you're sheltering in place, your main access to the outside world um, is is what happens online. Flexibility and adaptability are the key. Um, and and they're a great feature of our economy that companies have been able to find a way through this. Um, when you think about it, restaurant chains very quickly adapted to food delivery to takeout, to outdoor uh, seating, and to spacing, so that they're they're still not operating at optimal levels as they will be, but in many cases they're surviving. And when I say chains, I mean that because chains have the organizational capability. Um, to create those flexible options that single store restaurants often don't. If you're a single store restaurant that you don't have the ability to create outdoor seating, you're stuck, right? You, you're just stuck. But restaurant chains have the ability and the capital and the wherewithal to create either food delivery, takeout, outdoor, spacing within the restaurant, and they're surviving. And in, you know, in some of these cases, surviving um, is is more important because when you come out the other side of a situation like this, um, those that don't survive create greater market share opportunities for those that do. Um, so, you know, and again, capital from sponsors and amendment from lenders, both from uh, the equity side and from the debt side on BDCs, created the flexibility and the time for some of these industries to improve. But, you know, one of the areas that we saw BDCs investing a lot of debt capital into In the years leading up to COVID was the software industry, Um, and software industry was just a tremendous winner because software is embedded in these companies, can't really be taken out. As long as they survive, they continue to make their payments. They have to deposit two years worth of revenue in advance, so there's some certainty of being paid on those loans. Um, uh, You know, so again, it's more industry than it is type of loan that that has made the difference in this particular recession. I will say in the fourth quarter, not only did we have record originations. We had record originations of second lien loans. That totally makes sense, because if you're coming out of a recession, you should be more willing to make junior loans in the capital structure, thinking that three years of economic tailwind behind you makes that junior loan money good.
1: To that point, are there any industries that are still weighing down BDC portfolios or did weigh them down in a meaningful way in the fourth quarter?
2: We're probably getting close to settling down, but there there will still be idiosyncratic credit issues, Bill. I mean, you and I were tracking idiosyncratic credit issues in BDC portfolios through the belly of the best part of the economic recovery from 2012 to 2019, right? There's always something going on. Um, in And where we will likely find it is in some cases where... Uh, euphemistically, cans have been kicked down the road um, on credits um, that have gotten a little money from a sponsor that got an amendment from a lender, but that ultimately, as not only their industry created difficulties for them, but other successful people within their industry have stepped in and taken market share. And those companies may have to be restructured from time to time. It's certainly going to happen, but you know, we're in this environment that is very similar to where we were from 2011 to 2013, where BDC valuations expanded on the back end of the great financial crisis because deals that go bad are simply ignored, the tailwind of the economy, uh, uh, it is far more important to BDC share prices than having an idiosyncratic problem with a loan. Right now, we're just in that pocket where that sort of thing is going to get ignored. And again, the best lenders will be the best. The suboptimal lenders will have more problems than the best lenders. But you'll find idiosyncratic issues across portfolios across the space for the next two or three years, just as we always have.
0: And I guess, you know, thinking of BDCs going forward, do you expect BDCs to continue to increase book value throughout 2021? I know some BDCs were able to increase NAV over 2020, some didn't. And then to the extent that there isn't a tremendous rise, what headwinds still exist?
2: Yeah, well, it's a good question. Um, the first thing you look at is, you know, to this, at this point in time, how many depreciated debt assets uh, do they still have on the books? Because that's sort of the as long as those loans pay off at par, that's you know locked in guaranteed accretion of NAV. But we're probably getting pretty close to settling down on that level. And actually, as it relates to the venture debt BDCs, they have very little in the way of depreciated assets still in the books. They took lower markdowns at the end of the first quarter, and they have- required less markups, and they're actually benefiting to a great degree by the SPAC universe, which has particularly picked on companies in venture debt BDC portfolios, and that's actually driving NAVs in some cases above where it was going into the crisis. With more of the traditional cash flow middle market BDCs, You kind of have to look at the the book of each individual at BDC, see how much in the way of depreciated assets are still on the books that can reflate back to par as those loans pay off. That's sort of what your NAV upside is uh, absent the case of a lightning strike of a company that has been restructured where you hold some equity and you get a payoff on that equity.
0: What do you think, though, are the biggest headwinds, you know, in 2020, just sort of market-wide?
2: The first big headwind is the 10-year Treasury bond. If the 10-year Treasury bond keeps ripping through 1.75% and and goes up to 2%, well, <clears throat> you know, alternative investments, you know, non-BDC investments where the yield is increasing, um, you know, BDCs generally have a relatively fixed dividend rate that will provide competition for the investment dollar for BDCs and could create a correction in BDC prices. I frankly think that would be healthy um, because the the BDC prices have reflated so quickly that in some cases you, you may be getting overbought and a correction would be healthy. The second aspect is the fact that LIBOR, which is the benchmark that reprices most of the loans in BDC portfolios, is is so low that it won't be until LIBOR goes up around 100 basis points before BDC assets start to get a yield pickup. So you have the competition from the 10-year treasury creating competition for BDC shares at the same point in time that BDC's underlying assets are not getting a similar lift from the lower end of the yield curve. So to us, That is the the type of headwind that could cause a correction in BDC prices But as I said before, I kind of welcome a correction in BDC prices because there's still some folks out on the outside that would probably like an opportunity to have an entree in some of the share prices of these BDCs that we think are attractive.
0: Got it. Well, I think this was a great overview of 2020 for BDCs. Is there anything else you think our listeners might be interested in learning?
2: Yeah, I do think that um, you're going to continue to see the, the lower end of the BDC universe uh, uh, gets swept up. The business has been more active at acquiring some of the lower end platforms um, because I think if scale was important before, it is even more important now. And smaller platforms that are subscale are going to be even more At a disadvantage, that doesn't mean, in our view, to go out and buy a big package of low priced, deep discount, small scale BDCs. We think that the economics of the acquisition of those platforms accrue more favorably to the buyer than to the seller. And so we would look for those BDCs that are are acquiring and sweeping up those platforms as potentially attractive opportunities, because there could be a lot of NAV accretion that comes after they complete those acquisitions. So we think that's that's something. And and it's nice to see larger players over the course of the last few years that have been coming into the BDC space. We think that, that that's likely going to continue. So focus on the better managers, um, you know, Don't get carried away with the low-priced, small-scale BDCs. Let the bigger managers acquire them, and those managers will accrue the favorable economics from those acquisitions.
0: Great, great. Yeah, consolidation definitely is an interesting theme to look at. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Casey.
2: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, You know, we look forward to doing this again with you sometime in the future. Thanks as always,
1: Casey. Thank you.